0: Have you ever asked yourself, am I a bad therapist? Well, you're in the right place. I'm Allie Joy, licensed professional counselor and registered art therapist.
1: And I'm Catherine Escare, a clinical psychologist, and this is Am I a Bad Therapist?
0: Join us each week for stories from behind the closed therapy door.
1: You'll hear experiences that made us ask, am I a bad therapist, including bloopers, Jaw droppers and other difficult moments that normalize the unique struggles of modern day therapists.
0: This is a space with no experts, no gurus, and no hierarchies, just humans sitting in similar chairs.
1: And while we're not the gatekeepers for good and bad therapy,
0: because we're bad
1: therapists too. We are here to shine a light on the difficult decisions therapists face on a daily basis and normalize that mysterious gray area of clinical practice that no one wants to talk about.
0: Our mission on Am I a Bad Therapist is to normalize and humanize our existence as therapists. You can help us spread this message by subscribing and leaving us a review wherever you are right now, whether that's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, you know the drill. You can
1: also help us by sharing Am I a Bad Therapist with your network, whether it's on social media, your stories, or just between colleagues. Every listener helps us make a difference in this field, and we'll always reshare if you tag us.
0: If you're listening to the podcast, make sure to check out our pretty faces on our YouTube channel.
1: And if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to head over to our podcast and leave a review. You can find all of our links in the notes below.
0: We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15-minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind. From clinical work to podcasting, we're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling So, Allie and I are going to do something a little bit different for this week's episode of Am I a Bad Therapist?
0: Yeah, Catherine and I were talking and we got into a really good conversation that we decided we wanted to have on the podcast. So we, I have been seeing online a lot of talk about therapists trying to diversify what they're doing and like multiple income and revenue streams mm-hmm. and just how our one-to-one client work can be really draining at times. So we're going to talk about how we both have made that happen in our careers and our professional lives and just kind of go through it all.
1: Um, but before we get into it, this is a friendly reminder that everything we say here is for entertainment purposes, and it is not a substitute for therapy, ethical guidance, or clinical consultations.
0: All right. Well, this is episode number 18 of Am I a Bad Therapist? Let's get into it.
1: So I think that this all started, at least for me, this idea of multiple revenue streams as a therapist, I'm actually, now that I think about it, I've, always had multiple revenue streams as a therapist. Um, as some of you know my background. I, w- I went to school to, for my doctorate of clinical psychology and my MBA, and I went into organizational leadership development. So s- immediately after graduate school. And so before going back to the clinical world, I've always kept like a, my, my toe in the organizational and leadership development field. So I've been doing executive coaching on the side since before I got my license, right? Because mm-hmm. it was something I was trained in and always did. And so now that I see that, I've always had a multiple revenue stream, but <laughs> revenue stream outside of the one-to-one client work, client or patient work. So that goes like, uh, beyond the one-to-one coaching or the one-to-one thera- uh, therapy, um, You know, I think that first came into my head right around the pandemic when Mm. this idea of therapists of Instagram really kind of took off and took on a life of its own. When did you first contemplate or think about multiple revenue streams outside of one-to-one work, Allie?
0: Yeah. Well, I'm very similar. So my whole life, I think, since I've been working since I was like 15 years old, has consisted of multiple jobs. I think I'm the type of person I recognized at a pretty young age that like doing one thing all the time for my brain just gets like – kind of tedious. So I have always had multiple jobs. I worked in restaurants for a long time. Um, I owned a clothing business for a long time, which was really fun. Um, I've done so many different things at the same time because that's how my brain feels comfortable. So it felt natural to translate that into my professional career once I graduated from grad school. Um, And it took me a little bit to figure out how to do that clinically. So I worked... um, in community mental health, which I've shared before, but that kind of feels like 10 different jobs. So that lasted um, for two years, although I started super being a supervisor at that agency towards the end. So that was kind of a mix of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was working in schools and I started my private practice part-time. So that was a multiple Mm -hmm. revenue stream. And then when I got into private practice for myself, I did it for probably maybe like almost a year, like building the office and everything. And then I got back to that familiar feeling of like, I need something else. So I think after I had settled into my private practice, then I decided that I wanted to introduce, you know, different revenue streams and different options as a therapist. And I didn't really know where to start right away.
1: I think that that's a really uh, common experience where you're first dipping your toe into multiple revenue streams is that continuing to work for a practice or an agency and Mm -hmm. taking on your own private practice, right? And then when you make the leap to full-time, then it's like, well, now I'm doing this full-time. What, what's my next little endeavor? Like, it's almost like a little taste of of entrepreneurship that you, mm-hmm. a lot of us don't want to let go of. Um, yeah. We want to keep going. And I love that. I love that feeling. And I can mm-hmm. relate so much to what you said about your brain feels comfortable doing multiple things. I think back to graduate school when I was juggling part-time work, internship, society Mm -hmm. classes and MBA classes, I felt, I was like at my peak. I loved it. I love switching grades. I love switching (laughs) roles. And there was something about when I went back and did my postdoc where I was literally at a college counseling center 40 hours a week, I was just like so dead and drained. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just wasn't for me. And I wonder how much of this, now that we're talking about it, is this, this byproduct of, how long ago did the, the side hustle culture come out? That came out a while ago, oh, right? Like 10, yeah. 15 years ago? Probably, yeah. So I wonder how much of that is us being kind of going to college and going to graduate school with this side hustle culture mentality where mm-hmm. lots it's, it's normalized now not to have – one one way of earning income, and it, it's it's mm-hmm. part of the economy now. That there is this side, right. huge side hustle culture where therapists mm-hmm. are now being able to do multiple things using their unique skill sets. Um, that kind of diversify their tasks, diversify their income, diversify their, I don't know, like time. I love it. Yeah.
0: Like so, I like too, oh god. Oh, I was gonna say I think there's a benefit too because I, I agree with that. Like the whole side culture culture, um, hustle mentality. But I think especially for our work as therapists, like I love my one-to-one client work, but it is Mm -hmm. really, really draining and doing that like full, full time, like having for me, like I'd say over like 28 clients, um, I just can't do it mentally. And I recognized for me that not only did I like having multiple sources of income, like financially, I think I noticed mentally, I needed the switch up from that one-to-one work because of it being so draining and like leading me to feeling burnt out quicker. So I feel like it's a big combination for me of things. And I feel like I've heard a lot of other therapists say similar things of like, yeah, of course we want multiple revenue streams, sources of income, that's amazing. But then extra benefit, it could potentially hopefully not burn us out so fast.
1: Yeah, and increase the quality of our work,
0: right? Like,
1: I absolutely think... I that my patients, and I work in the medical setting, we use the term patients, patients are probably getting a better therapist than I was when I was seeing eight patients a day, five days Mm -hmm. a week, right? Yep. Um, Because I'm able to diversify what I do throughout my week, that it allows me to really show up in a big way for them, in a really present, connected way, that I find the work more rewarding, and I would, Mm -hmm. maybe there should be a study out there, someone should do their dissertation (laughs) on patient satisfaction yeah
0: we do some, <laughs> yeah bad therapist research study <laughs> yeah I love that
1: and speaking of bad therapists like I really can remember when I first launched the teletherapist network I was so private about it I did I'm still not really fond of having my face out there in a lot of things <laughs> like this podcast was a big push for me um but I was really embarrassed and I didn't want to be a therapist of Instagram because I thought it meant I was a less quality therapist or that I was, I was selling out or that I was not committed to high clinical standards. Like I felt like it was too pop culture and not, Mm -hmm. not, not substance enough. And so starting the teletherapist network, I've really struggled with with it, it. am I going to be perceived as a bad therapist? Am I going to be perceived because I'm stepping out of the box and starting a network for therapists and diversifying my revenue streams and helping other therapists do the same thing and come together on this on this new uh, path that we can create for ourselves, in the in as therapists, am I going to be looked at as as less than in that st- in in my idea of like this staunch clinical community, mm-hmm. right? Did you ever go through that kind of imposter syndrome um, that I encountered when I started the network?
0: Yes, I definitely have. Um, So I am, let's see, I think I'm about eight years into my career, like post-grad, and I've been working in mental health, like even in undergrad, doing appropriate bachelor levels work. Um, But when I started to do supervision, I... A million percent had so much imposter syndrome, and I have a separate business um, of this idea. I've created it. I've kind of talked about it a bit on the podcast. I know we have some ads mixed in, but I do creative clinical consultation and supervision, and I love talking about it. But I had so much imposter syndrome of like, are art therapists going to look at me and be like, you shouldn't be doing this because mm. you know we're trained and all of these things? And I really try to approach talking about creativity in like an ethical way. And I like to think, hopefully, that I am spreading the message even more so about what is appropriate for terminology, sharing that education with providers, because a lot of providers don't know they can't say that they do art therapy if they're not trained. And Mm -hmm. so I like to think that not only am I supporting clinicians in being creative, but in an ethical way and sharing the knowledge, but I had so much fear. Um, I shared the idea with quite a few art therapists before I like launched it officially of like, does this sound okay to you? What thoughts go through your mind as an art therapist of like me sharing creativity, um, like strategies and knowledge with non-art therapists? Um, and even after getting feedback, I was so scared of yeah. what it would look like online. I really was like, oh my gosh, I'm a bad art therapist.
1: <laughs> I I think that was the biggest one of my like that fear of others perceptions of am mm-hmm. I a bad therapist am I am I a bad psychologist am I moreover instead of bad i would say am i a less than psychologist mm-hmm. that i am quote-unquote resorting to multiple streams when really Mm -hmm. it was a choice that I wanted to make that was healthy for me and my life -life Mm work-life balance like that was a healthy thing for me to do and that perception of are people going to look at me and think I'm a bad therapist was probably the biggest hurdle and it's still a common thought that I have to work through mm, weekly I would say um Mm -hmm. showing up in 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 a public way um it's hard. It's hard. Do you still think, do you still worry about that?
0: I do. Yeah. I struggle. Like, so I know social media is a very powerful tool for us Mm -hmm. to get ourselves out there, what we do, share knowledge. Um, But personally, I'm very resistant to like social media. I like kind of having my life be private and not in like a bad way, but just, I like keeping it to my real life experiences. I'm not a huge like social media person um, in my personal life. So I really get stuck on the fence of like, not only the time that it takes, but putting it out there, like putting myself out there—it's about my professional, you know, things, but it still feels so personal. Um, that I definitely regularly question, like, what am I doing? How does this look? <laughs> um, even like, you know, I love like the silly little like TikTok trends or things like that. And sometimes someone will send it to me be like, oh, you should do this. And then I'll start to do it. And I'm like, no, 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 can't do this. <laughs> yeah, I can't do this. It just feels inauthentic or doesn't feel genuine to me. Um, and then it's just like that. What am I doing? <laughs> Let's pause here for a quick ad break. Are you looking to incorporate more creativity into your clinical practice, but don't know where to start? As a registered art therapist, I truly believe that every clinician can utilize creativity in what they do. I absolutely love offering consultation and supervision to share with clinicians how to ethically incorporate therapeutic art making into their clinical practice. I focus on easy and simple interventions with very little prep work for you and your clients. Visit www.cccs.care to learn more.
1: By the way, the number one support for those of us asking ourselves, am I a bad therapist? Are clinical consultation groups. If you don't have one yet, join us on the Teletherapist Network for unlimited peer consultation groups, including a lot of different specialty groups like clinicians of color, LGBTQ+, couples counseling, EMDR, and of course, creativity in the clinical room hosted by me, Allie plus masterclasses media leads and everything else you need for an ethical modern clinical practice join us at teletherapistnetwork.com
0: and now back to the show
1: so this is super, I have so many thoughts about this because I'm like, and then here we are on a podcast talking and sharing way more information about ourselves than, and then we probably would ever share on social media just because it's right. a natural conversation. So then I just want to like not get into it now, but I'm like, Hmm, I wonder why we're able to show up on a podcast and on social media. Um, but I also do want to say that I mean, I think we both admittedly, social media and showing up as a public therapist does not come easily to us um, because of this fear of being perceived as a less than or bad therapist. Um, and I, I, in no way do I want this to be interpreted as we believe or we think that those therapists who easily or or just visibly show up on social media or in the public eye are bad therapists. That is not oh what my we're gosh. saying. We're just saying oh it no, just
0: doesn't because I, <laughs> I look at them and I'm like, Queen, yes, yes. or <laughs> King, yes. Like I love it. Like I love seeing what other people are doing so much, and it inspires me. And I mm-hmm. completely agree. I'm glad you said that because um, I don't look at it that way at all but for myself it feels so different of course we're our harshest critics
1: and I wonder if some of the like the big names that show up like I'm thinking the truth doctor and Mm -hmm. network member Carolyn Rubenstein like I wonder if if they like I wonder if they have those self-doubts of I wonder how people are perceiving me a bad therapist or not or a Mm less than in the public eye um maybe I'll ask Carolyn that
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, I'm curious, Catherine, and I don't even know if I know this for you of all of your different things that you do. I know a lot of them, (laughs) but I was wondering if we could share, you know, kind of how we both have chosen to diversify what we do clinically.
1: I think that's a great question yeah absolutely so I have I think the longest running career or income or revenue stream I've had is I've been an executive coach since 2015 mm-hmm. um and that is something I've done on and off part-time full-time throughout my whole career um absolutely love it actually I'm sorry. I was, I started, my first executive coaching engagement was more around 2011, I would say. Um, But not, it hasn't been consistent since 2015. So 2015, Mm -hmm. I consistently started that. Um, And I do that very part-time now. I also work clinically. I am a psychologist at an integrated primary care organization in my beautiful state of Pennsylvania where I work as a clinical psychologist outpatient. I do that three days a week. And I also recently just um, had two APA interns join me. So Yay. I would say my most recent new um, revenue stream is as a supervisor for APA interns. So I love, love, love being able to develop new therapists and you know help them develop and, and identify where they want to go in their potential career paths that bring them joy and energy and how it doesn't have to look as traditional as maybe we once thought it should look. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's a new one. And then obviously we have the tall therapist network, which I started in 2020 and I am so passionate and love and Oh my gosh, I could just do it full time. Um, I just love it. So Mm -hmm. that's probably the one that brings me the most energy and joy is making these connections and friendships and consultations. Um, and then we have this podcast. So I think that's, (laughs) I think that's all, I think that's all I do.
0: (laughs) That's it. No big.
1: <laughs> How about you, Allie? What where where have your paths led you?
0: Yeah, so right now, so I do have my own private practice and I do four days a week. Um and I have been toning down a bit how many clients I'm seeing. When the pandemic hit, I put a lot of pressure on myself to see a lot of people because I was moving to working at home. I didn't have my long commute and I was like, oh, so I can see more people and I'm getting the most referrals I've ever gotten. So I went way too hard when the pandemic hit and um, have been scaling back slowly since then. And I feel like I'm at a much more manageable Amount of clients now, so I do that four days a week, um, and I do this podcast. Of course, I do my creative clinical consultation and supervision. Um, I supervise um, art therapists who are getting their um, ATR credentials, and I love that so much. And then I also have um, the Joy of Therapy, which I—it's kind of like my all my social media handles, and it's also my essay shop where I create like mental health friendly like items, I guess you could say, um, that just kind of spread the message of mental health. And I love creating things. and I love making designs. Um, And that has been a new one that's been a lot of fun. And that's kind of like, for me, I feel like that's my network, like where I have so much passion for it. I enjoy it. It brings me a lot of joy. I get to express some creative energy. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I do, um, it's kind of set up through like print on demand and everything. So it kind of like runs itself outside Mm -hmm. of like me designing things, which is nice where I can kind of pick it up and put it down, which feels good for me. And that was something I have been interested in. So I think that's everything. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but that's what's standing out in my brain right now.
1: I think I love what you said on, you know, there is such a Ebb and flow to where my time and energy goes between mm-hmm. the different things I do in my self developed or designed career path, which is mm-hmm. so not the way I saw it going when I was in college. And I'm so grateful that I let myself have those freedoms and creativity to design a career path that looks really, it, it fits my life right now. And it will mm-hmm. probably be totally different and look totally different in 10 years or even five years. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, do you notice that there's such an ebb and flow into where mm-hmm. like we? my energy and my attention and where i'm needed most like some weeks it's like my clients are consuming all of my energy and i wouldn't have it any other way and then other weeks the network is where my passion and where my entire focus is um do you notice that too and what's that like for you
0: yeah i definitely do and i like that and that's why i feel like i do the best with multiple areas for me to focus on yeah because again i feel like for myself when i do the same thing all the time. It's almost like I feel like with like meal planning, like if I make the same meal for a while, I can eat it. But then I get like tired of it. And I just switch it up. I feel like it's similar yeah. in what I do in my career. Um, so I definitely feel that ebb and flow. And I love that. And I know I personally need it. Because again, i I don't know. My brain just gets like I get stuck on something, but then I have to switch it. And when I'm like need to switch it, I need to switch it. And having these all these different options allows me to do that. So I do feel like it helps me function to the best of my ability for the most part. Um, And I also did not see myself being here. I said for a long time, I would never go into private practice loud and proud. I was like, I'll never do that. Here I am. (laughs) I did it. (laughs) Joke on me.
1: I said, I will so, never go into clinical practice. I will always be an org and leadership. Yeah. And here, I'm so glad we gave ourselves permission to change our yes. minds. That mm-hmm. is one thing that I have grown so much in is just mm-hmm. giving myself permission to change my mind, change my path. No one really even notices. Like there's, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think people, you know. Um, so Allie, what would you say if some, you know, you were talking to a therapist, we have some listeners out there who are therapists out there who are seeing one-to-one patients potentially getting burnt out and are interested and, and thinking about making that, that transition into developing a new revenue stream. What advice would you give to them?
0: Yeah. Well, first I would say like, you're not a bad therapist and I would hope that you wouldn't feel like a bad therapist for needing to take a step back from the one-to-one work. Cause like you said earlier, I think it really stood out to me of like, like we can only help so many people. We only have so many hours that our brains can sort through all of that, but you Mm -hmm. might show up better when you cut down on who you're seeing. So don't feel like you're a bad therapist because you want to take a step back and reduce your caseload. And then I would say, do what feels good for you. Again, like if you're a creative person, if you're an art therapist, if you enjoy Mm -hmm. teaching, if you enjoy supervising. Um, And I would say too, so I don't think I shared this yet. I would say reach out because actually when I started to look into more diversification, that's how we met Catherine is when I found the network because I really was interested in kind of doing some masterclasses and things. And when I found the network, I was like, this is perfect. And that's how we connected because I started with giving a masterclass and then Mm -hmm. fell in love with the network. I run a consultation group now. I am on the network every day, pretty much. Um, And that led to this podcast. Um, I feel like it probably led to my Etsy shop too, because I know you and I talked about that for a while. So I feel like don't be afraid to reach out to people and find your community of people who support you, who inspire you, um, because you never know where it will lead. Never did I think all that time ago when I joined the network that I would be sitting here with you doing a podcast. And I love it. So definitely reach out to people, um, because they might also have opportunities. Because I know through supervising, um, I got a lot of support from my supervisor when I was getting my ATR and things. So it really, I think helps to just connect and talk about it and just yeah. see where that takes you. And again, like lean into things you're passionate about and see if they can be incorporated in a clinical way somehow. How about you? Yes.
1: I love that. I lo- Yes, absolutely. All of that. But I think the one theme that stood out to me while you're speaking is just openness, like be mm-hmm. open to trying new things, to meeting new people. Um, the openness to experience, right? If we're talking about the big five personality traits, I think that is something that purposefully lean into that and stretch your openness limits to explore different paths, explore different options. And even if they're not clinical, you can have different revenue streams that are not even, even remotely tied to psychotherapy. Like that is, I I think, I think I need one of those. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, I mean, I think there's just so many different options out there and in the same breath of being open to meeting new people, like think about who you surround yourself with. If you surround yourself with people who are constantly burnout, or living a career path or a life that doesn't fit for you. like Those are the only examples and the only sound boards you're gonna have to bounce your ideas off of. Um, I would encourage you to go meet those people, connect, send random cold DMs on Instagram to the people who you look up to and you say, I really love what you're doing in this space. Like, can we? Can I buy you a cup of coffee? Can I send you an e-card for Starbucks, right? Um, and start making your network, start making your circle of people who are doing this the things that you that inspire you outside mm-hmm. of the therapy room. I think that is it's a huge motivator. I think I would I've always had a podcast in the back of my head, but I would not be here if you had not been like, Hey, let's start a podcast. Um, so I think it's, it's that synergy, not to be too businessy terms, (laughs) that synergy of working with other people who are as inspired in their own direction as you are in yours that really can elevate you to the next level and give you that confidence and support that that's needed to take that risk, Mm -hmm.
0: even though it's not really
1: that big of a risk. It's just like a perceived risk, but yes,
0: (laughs) And I would say, too, like, invest in your, like, professionals around you, too. Like, I know when I was, like, dabbling into income streams, like, I wasn't really talking to my accountant or things like Mm -hmm. that. But now that I'm really much more diversified in what I do, like, it's so important to set things up for yourself on the back end, too, of, like, Mm -hmm. things we don't always think about or talk about, of, like, making sure legally you're, you're in the right places with your accountant financially that you're doing the right things tax wise. Um, or even like, for example, like I use a biller, um, for my private practice and she hopes doesn't hear this cause she'll charge me more, but like I would pay her anything. I would not survive without her like she and a lot of people are like you shouldn't pay a biller I do my own whatever whatever I'm like that works for you I will I cannot do that I would rather pay somebody you know to do my billing and handle that because that is not anything I'm interested in so again like do what works for you and again think about the back end of things because they are important too and in previous adventures I've had businesses again and maybe I wasn't all turned out okay but I could have done more and felt a little more secure in what I was doing um but again that's where you can ask questions to people you see who are doing what you want to do and then again all of my connections too like my biller came from another clinician my accountant I got through someone I know in Connecticut like you know that helps too of like just with your network and your connections and talking about what you want to do they can share those pieces that aren't the fun part but they're important too (laughs)
1: They are and pick and choose what works for you. Like you mm-hmm. said, not everything, not everything that works for other people is gonna work for you. Be that go down the cafeteria line and get a sampling of everything and, and choose what works best for you. Because yeah, no, I'm a huge proponent of systems. You know I love systems. Yes. Systems are how <laughs> <Absolutely>. I survive. <laughs> yes, so think about think about the broader picture as well as the details. Um yes. and absolutely run, jump, skip, hop towards the things that light you up because I think that's what Mm -hmm. we did and that's how we're here and so happy with our career paths
0: yeah I agree I know and it's like I feel like I see it a lot where like the term like cycle breaker right like refers to a lot of like trauma or family trauma but I feel like it can relate to your work life too Mm -hmm. of like you can break that cycle like you don't have to be Feeling miserable, like hating your job, like not feeling fulfilled. Like, yes, we might have to do things that don't completely fill up our cups for a while, but you can try something out part-time. You can try and stop. It's okay to stop if you don't like it. And I think sometimes we get stuck as people in these systems that we feel like have been created for us too, of like, or that fear, or like, oh, well, once I start, I can't stop. Like you, you can pick it up and put right. it down. Like we said, you can focus your energy elsewhere. Um, but don't be afraid to break that cycle of like maybe a more old school mentality of like nope work one job all the time no matter what never quit don't change anything don't complain don't ask for a raise like no we're past that now we don't do that anymore
1: not at all that is beautifully put I say take the risk
0: absolutely awesome well one thing I wanted to do actually before we wrap up since we are doing different things today um, I was scrolling through um, our podcast when I was listening and we got the sweetest review that I have to read and shout out to a listener because I could not find her on Instagram so I want to wrap up by reading this lovely note if that's okay with you I love Catherine
1: that. I love that yes, yes yes
0: yes so this is from Abby Chattanooga again I'm assuming she's a listener I could not find her on Instagram so Abby if you hear this please reach out to us um, but she she shared that this podcast is just what she needed. She said, I'm a master's level therapist, one year out of grad school. I'm working on licensure and doubt myself all the time. This podcast normalizes so many of my feelings, which is so encouraging. So again, I just wanted to shout out Abby for that incredible, like amazing note on our reviews. And again, we would love to thank you. So please, Abby, reach out to us if you hear yes. this.
1: Yes. Thank you, Abby. Please send us a message. It's hello at a bat er, that, wait, what is our email?
0: Hello? Uh, at- hello at abadtherapist.com. <laughs>
1: <laughs> or send us a message on Instagram. Um, thank you so much for that beautiful review. Allie actually screenshotted it and texted texted it to me over the weekend. So we were chatting about it. It just makes our entire weeks when you guys take the time to leave us a review. So thank you, Abby.
0: Yeah, of course. Well, again, hopefully everyone enjoyed this different episode, but and hopefully you got something out of it. We would love to chat about what you do to diversify your income, um, your revenue streams. Um, you can always message us on Instagram. We're at a bad therapist pod. Um, maybe I'll even throw it up in our stories of like a question where people can yeah. share what they're doing, and then we can share so people see that. just the possibilities of what you can do in our clinical world.
1: And that's it. The OG bad therapist, Allie and Catherine are signing off for the week.
0: Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. We pick a few lucky five-star reviewers to shout out and invite for a 15 minute consultation with the both of us to talk about anything on your mind from clinical work to podcasting. We're game. Just make sure to leave us your name and location in the review.
1: And are you a bad therapist? And want to join us on the show? Go to abadtherapist.com and tell us your story.
0: Our podcast is produced and edited by my amazing husband, Austin Joy. He also created the music for our intro and outro. You can find this song along with many others on any music platform under the artist, Air Four Effect. And if you're a bad therapist starting your own podcast, contact Austin for his full suite of podcast and sound production services. You can find him on Instagram at Air Four Effect.
1: And don't forget, we're all bad therapists.